Hello and welcome to Trish Talk Radio with your favorite host, Trish Roberts. Trish Talk Radio, where dreams come alive and where you will learn success principles for life from some of the most inspiring stories on the planet. To contact Trish directly, go to trishtalkradio.com. Now, here's your host, Trish Roberts. Okay, I'm going to turn it up a little. Is that better? Sounds great. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure, my pleasure. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, I wanted to welcome you to Trish Talk Radio, and I wanted to ask you, uh, what religion are you affiliated with? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Jesus Christ died. He rose again. He's the head of the church. I believe the Bible, front to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And uh, where we stand now, 2,000 years ago, there's lots of uh, denominations, which people are familiar with. But um, Jesus himself, he's not a denomination. He's the head of the church. You know, So that's a complicated question to start off with. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah. are you like an interdenominational minister? Right. Yeah. We uh, exactly. It's non-denominational, um, interdenominational as well. So yeah, the body of Christ uh, in general has lots of denominations. Last I heard, just in the U.S. alone, over 250 different denominations plus non-denominational churches that are big enough to be considered a denomination. But uh, Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel is one of those movements. Uh, It's a non-denominational church, and there's over a thousand of them now between the U.S. and international. So that's where I was discipled and learned how to uh, read my Bible and and be a Christian. Even that word, uh, that word is used loosely, Christian. So that means a lot of things in lots of different circles, right? So it does. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, um, the textbook definition of Christian would be to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus. That's the goal, is to be like him. What would Jesus do, right? The WWJD yeah. bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> What's WWJD bracelets? Uh, what would Jesus do? They were wearing, about 10, oh. 15 years ago, they were, had these little rubber band bracelets, uh, WWJD. So when you're in a situation, you think, well, what would Jesus do here? <laughs> you know, so That's if you tempted to lie or steal or cut somebody off in traffic or do something <laughs> crazy, you're like, well, how would Jesus respond to this situation? You know, yeah. he would just love on them. So let's just love on people. You know, let's keep it really simple. Love God, love people. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So you said Calvary Chapel was where you started? Well, you know, I was born in New York City in uh, 1968. My parents, my dad was a Catholic, and uh, so he would take our family to Catholic Church, and I understand that. I was raised in that Catholic tradition um, until I was about eight years old. First and second grade was at a Catholic school called St. Helena's. Then we moved to South Florida in 1976, and uh, he worked for American Express, and they had opened a new uh, branch in South Florida called Eshrock, and they transferred like 900 families from New York down to open up this branch. So that's what got us down to South Florida. And um, at that point, there was a local Catholic church as well that he stayed plugged into. And uh, I remember as a kid visiting a couple Baptist churches on the on Sunday Sunday schools and stuff, and 
being exposed to some different types of churches in South Florida. And, uh, yeah, so eventually, uh, by the time I was 32 years old, um, I was struggling with a crack cocaine addiction. And uh, oh. my, co- yeah, my cousin brought me to uh, Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, to add an outreach. And they had a, a Christian band for Christian worship. And I was a musician, and I thought that was really cool. Never saw that before. I was used to the uh, organ <laughs> playing in the background at the Catholic Church. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the shh, when you walk in, everybody's shh, shh, you know, don't, don't wake up God, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know so, exactly yeah, what you, you mean. Know, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and there's lots of denominations. There's Protestants, there's, you know, there's Baptists, there's Methodists, there's Mennonites, there's, you know, there's all kinds of... Uh, I'd say birds of a feather flock together. You know, you see a lot of that in the church, you know, so. And you have a TV show, correct? Yes, I do. It's a TV series called Revelations. And uh, the last book in the Bible is called Revelation. And it talks a lot about end times prophecy stuff. It has nothing to do with that. But uh, I believe when God drops an idea or gives you a hunch or, or a, a wisdom, you know, you get a revelation. Hey, And um, I believe God is uh, speaking to people about, you know, things they could do and, um, and uh, to get a revelation. Uh, so, yeah, we highlight ministries in action, uh, ministries that are sharing the gospel of Jesus or making disciples. Those are the two things Jesus commanded us to do. And um, so a lot of ministries, as they're doing that, they're helping people. It's been a lot of homeless shelters, children's homes, uh, mission-sending agencies, um, Bible colleges, seminaries, uh, even pregnancy, crisis pregnancy centers, um, lots of different ministries that are actually helping people. And while they're doing that, they're pointing people to the Savior. So we uh, highlight ministries in action, and we hope that... uh, People get a couple revelations. First of all, God is still working, and uh, there's a part for us to be playing within the body of Christ, being his hands, being his feet, and even being his voice at times, speaking up, speaking out. That's beautiful. I'm so happy that it's not about uh, the end times. (laughs) Yeah, that could be pretty scary stuff, but, uh, you know, it's actually unfolding even right now as you watch some of the news channels, you'll see... Definitely. Things taking place that were written about, you know, thousands of years ago. So, um, climate and a lot change. of that is just a, yeah, a lot of that's to point to the fact that you know the Bible's true. God is outside of time. Yeah, I've heard it explained that um, when you see a parade like the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving, you can only watch the part of parade that's in front of Macy's store, you know, where the cameras are. But there's a beginning of the parade that just passed you, and then there's the end of the parade that hasn't come yet. Well, where God stands, or where he sits, he can see the whole parade, the beginning and the end. He's the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. So God is kind of outside of time. And if you think about that too much, it might make our head hurt. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I, you know. I always have thought that uh, God is such an immense idea that yeah. um, he, we are not even able to comprehend the hugeness of what God is. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, in the book of Isaiah, which was 700 years before Christ, he talked about the Messiah, and he gave a lot of prophecies about what the life of Jesus would look like. And um, he mentions he saw the Lord seated on the throne in all his glory, and um, he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
And every one of those words, you can probably preach a one-hour sermon on the word holy. What does that mean? Lord, mm-hmm. what does that mean? God Almighty. You know, God we know is creator God. Lord means boss, <laughs> you know, boss of your life, you know. Right. Uh, and then Lord, you know, Jesus Christ. The word Christ, for a long time as a kid, I thought that was his last name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. But then I heard Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody said Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, are you talking about Jesus Christ? Yeah, he was from Nazareth. I was like, wow, I didn't know that, you know. So, <laughs> hey, it's in the Bible, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty interesting story how he grew up in Nazareth and um so yeah it's uh um a lot of people use that name as a cuss word and uh they don't use any other names as a cuss word they don't say oh buddha or oh confucius or oh I muhammad do. you know uh, it's when, always when, <laughs> when i hear yeah. someone do that i say oh moses <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so uh you know, we uh, we actually read the Bible in a year. We have a read the Bible in a year plan, and it's uh, usually three chapters a day. And uh, we're actually going through Leviticus this week uh, with all the, uh, you know, so we went through Genesis and Exodus, and it's an amazing an amazing uh, history the Jewish people have. And uh, if it wasn't for the Jewish people, we wouldn't have a Messiah. We wouldn't have our scriptures. Um, salvation right. is of the Jews, and. Uh, um, even a lot of Jews today haven't read their own scriptures, and it's fascinating. But um, it's it's amazing what you can glean from, you know, uh, the 39 books, what we call in the, in the Old Testament canon. Um, you know, it's it's an amazing heritage, and uh, it's fascinating actually. It really is. I yeah. I have a I studied uh, world religions, and part of my training was to um, read most of the Old Testament, and yeah. I was raised Catholic, so I never really was exposed to that that much, but right. it's really, there's a lot of beauty there. Yeah, yeah, so I always say, um, you know, it's funny, I, when I first started reading the Bible, I had to take my daughters to uh, to uh, BCC College um, Library, and it was a two-store library, and I was kind of just wandering around, didn't know what to do with myself while they were looking for a book. And um, I just, within a couple of minutes, I found myself standing next to a, a bookshelf, and I looked down, and it was this really, really thick book, like the size of a dictionary, that said World Religions. And I go, interesting, and I'm starting to read my Bible. Let me look up Christianity. There must be a whole section on that. And Christianity was like a one-word definition in a dictionary. Yeah. And I'm thinking, really? like, wow. I mean, I said, I just got this conclusion that people have been making up religions since we've been around. You know, just wow. put, it in a, put it in a box. This is how we practice it. Some people use candles, some kneel, some bow, some <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, lots of animals. ways that people practice their, rela- their religion, you know, and... And, um, you know, it's always, I've heard it said in a lot of different ways, God is more interested in in relationship than religion. You know, I mean, it's good to have um, some good boundaries and some rules and regulations to help govern our lives, but it's so much more than that. Just like you and I are starting to talk and get to know one another, God knows you, and he wants you to get to know him. And the best way to do that is to start talking and start listening, you know, yeah. and, and hearing each other. And, and I believe that God speaks, and he speaks in a lot of different ways, and he even speaks through people. The question is, are we listening, you know? Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, world religions, there's a lot of them. So um, they're not all the same. There's a lot of differences. And, um, oh, yes. 
you know, so um, it, it would take a lifetime to study them all and compare them all, you know. And I believe that was one of the reasons why God stepped down and put on some flesh and hung out with us for a while in the form of Jesus, which would absolutely blow people's mind that uh, that's actually why he got crucified, because he claimed to be equal with God. And I'm sure if I was toe-to-toe with Jesus, I'd have a hard time believing and receiving that too, you know, because <laughs> yeah. somebody who looks like a man but he said, you know, when you, when you raise up the Son of Man and he rises on the third day, you'll know. And basically he knew eventually he would be crucified for it. And he told him, I'll be back in three days. And he rose from the dead like he said he would. And after three days, he appeared to uh, first Mary and then the, the twelve. Thomas at the time wasn't there that first morning. And uh, when they told Thomas about it, he said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it, put my finger in his holes or put my hand in his side. So eight days later, Jesus shows up again in the room and walks right up to Thomas and says, hey, Thomas, don't be unbelieving, but believing. Here, put your finger in my holes, put your hand in my side. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus didn't correct him. He didn't say, no, 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 I'm not God. I'm just Lord. He, He received that. And um, all through the scriptures, you see um, teachings on worshiping God. You worship God. If you worship anything else, it's an idol. And uh, that word worship means to love and to adore, to have first place, preeminence. You know. Um, and uh, so from the baby manger scene, um, all when the shepherds came and saw the baby, uh, that, the, that the angels announced that today in Bethlehem a Savior was born, the shepherds came and then eventually... It wasn't the same night. A lot of people do the Christmas story with the Magi showing up the same night. By the time the Magi showed up, they had already talked to King Herod and heard about the, the, the Christ child being born. Herod was upset because he was king of the Jews, and Herod's like, well, I'm the only king in town, so uh, we need to destroy this king. So it took, they, say, they say it took about a year or two for the Magi to finally find, to find the baby Jesus, and when they did find him, the scripture says, and he found a young child in the house with his mother Mary. So it wasn't the stable, it wasn't the swaddling yeah. baby in a, in a manger. But if you read the scriptures, I think for the Christmas story, for the sake of it all, they kind of put everybody there the same night <laughs> to get it all in yeah. the Christmas story. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, but when the Magi showed up, they brought they brought gifts, and they don't even know exactly if it was three wise men. They put three there because there was three gifts presented, frankincense, uh, myrrh, and gold. So they gave one face for each gift, and they call it the three wise men. But the scriptures actually just say the magis, you know, the wise men. It's plural, so it could be two or more. But because there was three gifts, they always say it was the three wise men. So anyway, right. more information than you even asked, but all I say no, is that. No, but so um, So yeah, Jesus received worship. Um, when people worshipped him, when they would come running up to him for a healing for their for their son or daughter, or lepers would cry out, "Jesus, son of Nazareth, uh, son of David, have mercy on me." They would worship him. Uh, blind men would say, "You know, Jesus, uh, son of David, um, have mercy on me." And he would say, "What do you want me to do for you?" And they would say that I might have my sight restored. And he would restore their sight. But they worship, in some of those instances, they actually worship Jesus. And he didn't say, stop, don't worship me, worship God. You know, he never corrected or stopped anybody. He received worship. So that's one of the mysteries of the Trinity that kind of makes people's eyes cross a little bit and scratch their head. You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
It's uh, it's one God in in three manifestations, um, and uh, the best analogy I can I can say to that is like water H two O H two O as we know it is water, and when it pours out of the sink it's liquid. You can freeze it it turns into a solid, and when it evaporates it's a gas. It's three manifestations. It's still H two O, and um, or me myself I'm I'm one Chuck, you know, but I'm Chuck the father of my kids. I'm Chuck, the husband to my wife. I'm Chuck, the worker at Horizon Media Studios or a TV show host. I've got all these different roles or um, positions or even functions, but it's still me, one person. So those are some of the ways that I've heard some of the best pastors in the world talk about the Trinity to help you kind of understand it and and, uh, not think that we're really serving three different gods, you know, like Israel, like... uh, and um, like Moses would say, the Lord your God is one. You know, come now, O Israel. You know, so it's one God, it's one Lord. Um, you know, so anyway, those are some of the things that kind of draw a lot of questions within the church and within the body of Christ, and even outside the church. Yes, and I, I think um, the fact that um, early Christianity was considered a cult at the time. Yeah. Yeah, they called it um, a sect, a sect or the way. Right. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that Jesus described himself in John 14, right before the cross. They had the Last Supper that Thursday night, and he told them, you know, he washed their feet. And uh, and Peter was like, Lord, you can't wash my feet. You're Lord. He's like, you're right. I am Lord. But uh, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will later. And if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And Peter was like, okay, wash my feet, wash my body, wash my whole head. He's like, no, just your feet's, feet's good. So and when, he's, when he's done washing feet, he tells them, you know, love one another. This is a new command, I'm telling you. And there was really nothing new about loving one another. But what was new about it was he was raising the bar. He says, I'm, you know, I'm about ready. There's no greater love than somebody who lays down his life for his friends. So he's introducing the idea of sacrificial love, just like a mother would run into a burning building to save her child, there's no stopping her out of it. It might take three or four firemen to hold her down, actually. That's the sacrificial love that God has for us, and that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He died for us. So that's the kind of love that he's calling us to lay down our lives for one another and serve one another more than just lip service and say, it's easy to say, I love you. It's hard to show it, you know. Yes, and and it's beautiful that you take such a social role in helping people. Well, um, James uh, is Jesus' half-brother, um, born of Joseph and Mary. He had four brothers that we know of and at least two or more sisters. Um, they were unbelievers until after the resurrection. But James wrote a book in the Bible, and in the book of James, he talks about in chapter 1, don't be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Doers. And he also says doers of the work. So he says faith, you know, without works is dead. Just like the, the body, the body without the spirit is dead. So is your faith. I mean, your faith, if it's really living, it's going to cause you, move you into action. You're going to do something about it. And uh, so the ministries that we feature are really doing something about it. They're helping people. There's two, I would say there's two kinds of people in the world. There's haters, and then there's lovers. And yes. It's quite obvious. You know, when you look at the news, you can see who's doing all the hating and hurting people, and then there's people trying to help people. And uh, 
I've uh, just recently came to this conclusion through uh, one of our Bible studies that the three places where Jesus talks about anybody being in hell, it's over a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. It's not somebody something somebody committed, like committing a crime, committing murder, adultery, committing lying or bearing false witness or coveting or not honoring a mother and your father. Well, actually, not honoring your mother and father is a sin of omission. You know, so it's something you're supposed to do that you're not doing. Like, love, love your kids. If you're not loving your kids, you're not taking care of your kids. That's a sin of omission. So, yeah, there's three places in the scriptures where uh, Jesus talked about uh, the parable of the talents, and he gave a story. The kingdom of heaven is like a a master who went away on a journey, and he gave one um, one of his servants five talents according to his ability, one two talents according to his ability, and one person one talent according to his ability. And he went away, and when he came back, the guy with five made five more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the, the joy of your master. The guy with two made two more. The guy with one didn't do anything with it. He buried it in the ground. And he said, you know, you should have put it on the bank where I could have gotten interest. And you were a wicked and lazy servant. And he threw him out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I believe that God gives everybody gifts and talents. And if you're not using it, you know, that's a sin of omission. That's, that's, it's like worse than doing something wrong. But we're so focused on what people are doing wrong versus are you doing what's right? And that's what the word righteous yes. means. If you're doing the right thing, doing the right thing, that's righteousness. <laughs> Sitting around yeah. doing nothing is not the right thing it's to do, right? So, <laughs> right. So, yeah, and even doing the right thing at the wrong time can still be the wrong thing to do, you know. So, you yes. know, it's where, when, and how, do I, how should I be doing this? And I believe God shows us those things. Here's what you ought to do. This is when you ought to do it, and this is how you ought to do it. And then in the end of it, if you do it the way I tell you to, it'll be fruitful. It'll be full of good fruits. It'll be it'll be a positive thing, you know, versus a negative thing. So, yeah. So. It's interesting because um, you said where, what, and how. And I know that Torah says the one question you cannot ask is why. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard a pastor say this. I want my people to be hot for God. Hear God, obey God, and trust God hot for God. I said, that's pretty good. That's a great acronym. Because at the end of the day, yeah, if you hear what God (laughs) tells you to do, I mean, think about some of the things God told Joshua to do. Hey, I want you to walk around the city once every day for seven days and blow it, and then on the seventh day, you know, seven times, and then blow a trumpet, and the wall's going to fall down. What? That's not a battle plan (laughs) I've ever heard of before, you know? And And he actually commanded the Israelites not to talk. Well, why do you think he said that? Because if while they were talking and walking, they would have all been murmuring, saying, this is stupid. Joshua's an idiot. What is he having us do? How, how are we going to take over Jericho by walking around the city six days, and then on the seventh day we do it? You know, it, just, it was like, but that, that was the prescription. That was the plan that God gave them, and they had to be obedient. And then they trusted God, and it worked out. You know, so, you know, that's really the best we can do is hear God, obey God, and trust God. Just like an air traffic controller. I love analogies. I think Jesus taught with parables and their stories. Yeah. A lot like analogies. But when an air traffic, when a, when a pilot is taking off, I just had the, the privilege of flying from, uh, from West Palm to Haiti to film three ministries in Haiti right before Christmas. And we flew in oh, this wonderful. tiny little plane. 
And while I was sitting next to the pilot, he let me listen to air traffic controller. And he's telling JetBlue flight 1449, two degrees to the left, blah, 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 blah. You know, American Airlines flight 301, do this, do that. And when he heard his call signal, Echo Charlie one or zero nine or uh, you know free to fly or whatever he gave him his he was free to roam but when he was coming near the airport he had to check in every once in a while he had to listen to the air traffic controller and if he didn't listen to air traffic controller he can find himself in the wrong place at the wrong altitude going in the wrong direction and a lot of times I feel like God who can see the big picture just like the air traffic controller can see everything on his radar God can see what's going on. And he needs to speak into your life, maybe a word of correction. Hey, you're going too high, you're going too fast, you need to slow down, you're clear to take off, you're clear to land. And you wonder why people are crashing and burning all around the world. You've got 7 billion people on the planet, and I'd say half of them are probably not even listening <laughs> to the air traffic controller, which is a scary yeah. thought, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, um, because Kenya crashes. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think we all have a, you know, first of all, most people don't even know where their destination is. I mean, so they're not even, they're just flying around aimlessly. But if you have a destination or a runway in mind, you know, there's going to be some specific plans to get there. You know, they say um, all roads lead to heaven, I think is the most, you know, it, it really doesn't. I think all, lo all roads lead to Christ, who is the way to heaven. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Jesus in John 14, that same chapter I was telling you about, right after he washed feet, he was telling his disciples, um, he says, you know, uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would tell you, but I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come back and receive you to myself, so where I am, you can be also. And he said, well, how do we know where you're going? You've got to show us the way. And John 14:6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. And um, and then I think it was Philip who said, well, show us the Father. And he says, haven't you been with me so long? In verse 8, he says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's huge. I mean, that's a it huge statement huge. to make. You know, and um, so, yeah, you know, there's just some big verses like that. You say, what do I do with that? I mean, here's somebody who says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, in John in, in John ten ten thirty he says me and the Father are one. You know, um, so you know the more you study Jesus, you got to ask yourself, you know, is he is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Is he who he claimed to be? Um, you know, even in John chapter eight, knowing the Jewish scriptures. So let's do a little timetable here. Um, Jesus two thousand years ago. Moses was about 3,500 years ago. So when Moses, 3,500 years ago, was writing the book of Genesis, he was writing about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had the 12 tribes of Israel. And then Joseph you know, moves to Egypt, the famine for seven, seven good years, seven fa famine years. During the famine, um, Jacob, who's now Israel, and the rest of his family moved to Egypt. right? And Pharaoh saves the day. So then they're stuck in Egypt for about 400 years. And then all of a sudden Pharaoh is mistreating the Hebrews. They're all slaves. And then God raises up Moses to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So from Moses back to Abraham was probably five to 600 years. Wow. So you're looking at 2,000 years before Moses was Abraham. Okay, So here's Jesus on the scene, which is 
um, again, 1,500 years after Moses, or 2,000 years after Abraham, Jesus shows up. And he is talking to a Jewish crowd, and he tells them, you know, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And they were like, we've never been slaves to anyone. Well, they have a short memory because they were slaves in yeah. Babylon. They were slaves in Egypt. They've been slaves a lot. As a matter of fact, Israel was in slavery and bondage more than they were ever free <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. from a timetable yeah. perspective. So he says, but if, you, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And um, so um, free from sin, free from bondage, free from oppression, free from poverty. He, it's, it, he wants to free us from all the garbage, all the sin, all the guilt. He wants to free us holistically. I mean, it's a, it's a real body, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. There's this, this freedom that God wants to give his people. And uh, so they're like, they're like scratching their head at this. And he says, you know, your father Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. Because in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham when Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, right before Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. He's, and, and, and the Lord showed up with two angels next to him, and Abraham made him a meal, had Sarah quick make a calf, let, make some cakes, and let's, let's feed the Lord. And he has this conversation with the Lord, and uh, he tells him what, what's about ready to happen in Sodom and Gomorrah. So Jesus is bringing that up. Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. And he said, Abraham, you're not even 50 years old. And you saw Abraham? Again, 2,000 <laughs> years before. And Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that I am right there is the same I am that God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. Saying, when Moses said, who do I tell, sent, who do I tell him? And he said, who sent you? Who do, I, who do I say sent me? He says, tell him, I am sent you. That's God's name. I am. Wow. So, so Jesus. Is, there, is that Yahweh? Yeah. yeah, right. So there's Jesus in John chapter 8, toe-to-toe with Jewish people. Some Jews believed, some Jews didn't. He didn't even, he wasn't 100%, you know, converting mm-hmm. people. They were, I mean, these are, they were Pharisees and Sadducees, two different Jewish sects. They had access to the scriptures. The Sadducees only believed the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then you had the Pharisees that had all the prophets. They had the Psalms from David. They had what we would call the, you know, almost the whole Old Canon, the Old Testament Canon. So there was even a division among the Jews between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in angels. Um, they didn't believe in, in certain things, but Pharisees did. And um, so anyway, they were... I'm having this great conversation. So right when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, that's when they would pick up stones and try to stone him because they, that was just blasphemy. You know, that's like, that was, you, you, you couldn't just say it any, any clearer. I am God. In your right. face, I'm God. That <laughs> 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 just, you know, blew their mind, you know. <laughs> blasphemy. They started I'm picking sure. up stones and then, and then he just vanishes in between them. In the midst of the crowd, he just, you know, he gets out of it. So, because it wasn't his time. So when you see stories like that where Jesus makes these great claims, and not only did he die and rise again, because they would even test him and say, give me a sign. We want to believe. Give me a sign. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation requires a sign. None will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just like Jonah, and he talks about Jonah like it was a fact. A man getting swallowed up in a whale for three days and spit out on dry land. That wasn't just a story. That was a fact. That was a historical event. 
He says, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, after three days I'll rise again. That's the one sign for the entire world, even the wicked and adulterous generation who requires a sign. I'll give you one. I'll let you beat me to a pulp, crucify me on a cross for everybody to see, and I'll be back in three days. And I'll hang out for 40 days so I can eat with you and have lunch with you. I always ask people, have you ever been to a funeral? Yeah. What was the last funeral, what was the last funeral you went to? What was the person's name? Let me think. Um, Bill. Have you ever seen him again? No. Imagine three days later he shows up in your house and says, um, can I have some fish? Can I have some honeycomb? Let's eat. You know, and now, you've, now you've got to go tell your friends and your family about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a problem. <laughs> so this is the last thing, the last thing Jesus said before he ascended back to heaven after 40 days. He told his disciples. They were asking, hey, are you going to restore Israel now? I mean, are we gonna, we're being oppressed by Rome. Are we going to finally be free under, under Rome's oppression? Or are you going to restore Israel? And he says, it's, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father set. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you're going to receive power to talk about a dead man walking because I hung out with you a few times and you're going to go tell the whole world that Jesus is still alive and they're going to beat you for it. They're going to, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to flog you. Every one of the disciples got killed because they wouldn't stop talking about a resurrected Jesus. And that is the power of the gospel. And that was the one message God wanted, wanted everybody to hear loud and clear. When you die, it's not over. It's not lights out. You're not asleep. He talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as if they're living. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are more alive now than when they were in the Old Testament. And there is a hereafter. He told, he told Solomon to Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in the heart of man. And at a funeral, everybody's asking that question. I wonder where they are now. Yeah. Have you ever been to a funeral where they said, he's not in a better place? No. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so, you know, unless, unless it was somebody who murdered somebody on the way out and nobody says anything right. about it, you know, right? So, right, right. Um, or a suicide victim. <laughs> right. And even that's questionable. And I've heard, I've heard a lot of teachings on that. Just because the last thing you do is a sin, you know, doesn't mean, you know, your salvation is, is flushed down the toilet. That's if you're forgiven, not the totality. Yeah, exactly. I mean, running a red light was a sin that got me in a car accident that killed me. Doesn't mean I, you know, it was a, I missed the mark. I made a mistake. You know, so right. even... Our salvation is not based on whether the last thing we did was right or wrong. It was based on whether we're really forgiven or not. And if you've been forgiven, you've been forgiven, you know, for for all of it. You know, some it's people a have a bigger thing. sin bill than others, but we all we all we all have a bill. You know, so. a sin bill. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and I, I use that analogy when I go out to dinner. I said, you know, if there's six people sitting at the table and all of a sudden the check comes and I said, all right, I'm going to pay for it. And everybody says, no, I'm not going to let you pay for mine. Here's my money. No, 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 I want to pay for everybody. And somebody rises up and says, you will not pay for my dinner. Here's my 20 bucks. That's almost insulting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what God did when he, when, he, when he had Jesus die on the cross. He paid for the sins of the world. And for somebody to say, nah, I don't need that, what you did for me. No, 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 you, you really do. Your righteousness, your, nothing you did makes up for all the bad you did. 
you know, and I've heard it said this way, if I killed somebody's mom 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they finally catch me, and I'm in front of the judge, I said, but judge, for the last 15 years, I've been producing this television show. We've been helping homeless people. We've been building castles for homeless people. We've been helping orphans. He said, but you still murdered that person 20 years ago. I can't let you go for that. All my good doesn't undo the wrong, all the lies, all the stealing, all the adultery, all the fornication, all the, you name it. You know, there's a list of things we've all done. The first commandment, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Have you done that perfectly? Of course not. Nobody's loved God their whole life. You know, we've all, all ten commandments, we've broken them. So, and certainly they, not perfectly. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no such, you know, there's nobody's perfect. That's what Romans says. There's no one perfect, not one. But Jesus, he was perfect. And that's another proof that he was God. In that same conversation, he looked at the crowd and says, which one of you can convict me of a sin? And the only thing they had on him was that he would perform a healing on the Sabbath, on the day off. And he did that on purpose. And they would say, oh, ooh, how long do you think it took for him to heal, open up a withered hand? It took like three seconds. Oh, that's a work. Let him come back on the other six days for the healing. This is a Sabbath. We're not supposed to work. And what God's talking about is your normal 12-hour job. And he had to purposely teach them because they took a, a commandment and turned it into something it wasn't meant to be. And he even told them, he says, what about the, the circumcision? You know, Abraham instituted circumcision on the eighth day. But if the eighth day lands on the Sabbath day, you're still going to have the circumcision. Isn't that a work that you've got to do some snipping here? Your work, you're doing <laughs> something, right? So they've got really legalistic with a commandment that was meant to be a blessing, a day of rest, a day of worship, you know, and he turned it into a list of things you can't do. And if you do it, they shake your little finger at you. You know, you're, you're out of here. And he's like, well, listen, you, the, the commandment, is, it's for your good. It's, it's one of the four commandments. The first four have everything to do with our relationship with God. The next six commandments have everything to do with our relationship with one another. Yes. Love God with all your heart. Don't make any idols cause and bow down and worship him. Don't use my name for nothing in vain. And... You know, keep a Sabbath day, keep it holy. And he takes four verses to explain it. <laughs> you know, don't do any work. You know, you, your sons, your daughters, your slaves, whatever. Just rest. Just like mm-hmm. I rested. Six days he did all his work. He created everything in six days. Seventh day he rested. And he hasn't rested since. God's been working every day since. And that's what Jesus <laughs> yeah. would say. My father works every day. Well, so do I. Hey, you're making yourself equal with God. He's like, aha. <laughs> 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 that's funny so I, yeah. I don't know if you have any other questions but you know I, well, I get yeah, excited I about do. this stuff because a lot of people have a hard time connecting the dots you know yes um, I do have a question what would you say to people who have lost hope because of say ISIL mm-hmm. or um crime, murder, uh, the drugs. I would say this. I would say this. Jeremiah 33.3. It's funny because we talk about the Trinity, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity is like three. But Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, says, God speaking, call to me, I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. And in regards to evil in the world, Jesus said um, it coexists together, basically. He gives a parable of a good man who went out and sowed good seed in the field, 
and the enemy came and sowed bad seed in the field. And when it grew up, the wheat was growing up, and then there was some tares, which are like weeds, growing up with the wheat. And the planter said, look, didn't we plant good seed? Somebody, an enemy, came in and planted bad seed too. What do you want us to do? Do you want us to pull out the weeds? And he says, no, because if you pull up the weeds, you're also going to pull up the wheat. Let them grow together, and at the end of the age... The angels, the harvesters, will come and separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat will go into the barns. The chaff goes into the fire. So at the end of the day, when it's all done, it's God's job to divide the wheat from the chaff. It's not our job. We, wheat and uh, uh, it, they almost look the same. You know, wheat and tares. You can almost you almost can't tell the difference. And we really can't either when we look at people. That's the judging that we're not supposed to judge. Who you know, God knows who are His. But basically, Jesus said that the devil, the son, of, the, the devil is the one who plants bad seeds. So there's a real devil, and then there are sons of the devil, and there are sons of God. We're not all children of God. We're all God's creation, but we have the right to become children of God if we're adopted in by faith. Faith is the one thing. It's either faith or unbelief. The sin of unbelief is the only unforgivable sin in the Bible. It's called the the, pardon, uh, the unpardonable sin, the sin of unbelief. If you don't believe God, you're calling him a liar, and therefore you're not forgiven. Just like the guy who didn't believe I was going to pay for his dinner and wanted to pay for his own. The sin of unbelief that I could pay for his dinner. The unbelief that God could pay for my sins. So there are, there's a lot of evil in the world. And I'll also just leave you with this. I have to pick up my daughter here shortly. But... Um, sure. When you, in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, is where John talks about the mark of the beast and the number of his name. He says, out of the sea I saw a beast rising up. And the sea is a multitude of people, and the beast is, he goes on to describe the number of his name, the mark of the beast, is 666. And we all know that. But when John, who was the one disciple that survived, you know, uh, boiling in oil, they put John on the island of Patmos. God called him up to heaven and showed him some things, and he wrote it down. That's where we get the book of Revelation. It's about 90 A.D., almost 60 years after the ascension of Jesus. So in that chapter 13, when he says 666, John is writing in Greek. And mm-hmm. the Greek, and you can look this up. If you can Google Greek 666, you'll see a couple images show up. The 600 is an X. The 60 is a sideways W, and a 6 is a backwards question mark in, in Greek. And they're on top of each other. Those three images are in the Islamic flag that says violence in the name of Allah. So the X is the two swords, the sideways W, and the backwards question mark is all in the Islamic flag. And I'm here to tell you that Islam and ISIS is the beast. They're the only ones... But- they're the only Don't ones you Christian. believe that? I'm sorry. Don't you believe that there's a difference between Muslims and ISIS? Um, just like there are Christians who don't read their Bible and don't know what it says, there are Muslims who don't read the Quran. So the guys who mm-hmm. do read the Quran and are doing mm-hmm. it, there's about mm-hmm. 14 or 15 verses in there that tell them to kill Jews and Christians. Mm-hmm. The same God who gave us. Ju- since Jew, God put Jews on the planet, the devil's been trying to wipe out the Jewish people. You can sum up every Jewish holiday with, they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. Yeah, that's true. 
So God has kept his hand on the Jewish people. So he's not a schizophrenic God, you know, telling uh, Muhammad, the false prophet, through the Koran to kill Jews and Christians when Jesus, the Messiah, tells us to love your enemy. And they say, convert or die. Jesus summed mm-hmm. it up in John 10.10. 10. He says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life, life abundantly. That's the fork in the road. You can sum it all up in one chapter, in one verse. Yeah. John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. The enemy John came 10, to steal, 10. kill, and destroy. Yeah, John, uh, Jesus said, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that looks like killing, stealing, and destroying is of the enemy. Anything that looks like life and life abundantly is from God. Uh-huh. God that is makes pro-life. sense to me. Yes. <laughs> simple. Yes. Jesus made it really simple. He says, there's many false prophets, many false teachers. You'll know them by their fruit. A good tree gives off good fruit. A bad tree gives off bad fruit. You don't need to be mm-hmm. a theologian or a Bible scholar to look at somebody's life and say there's good fruit or bad fruit. You know? Right. So that's how that's you'll right. know them. Amen. Yes. Yes. I so I know you have to go pick up your daughter, but I just want to thank you so much for being here today on Trish Talk Radio. It's You're been welcome. an honor to speak with you and to listen to you. Well, let's do it again. Uh, maybe we can do a part two. I don't know if you have call-ins, but... Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of questions. I've had those same questions. I've searched it out. And, um, and uh, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Is when God shows us something, we don't keep it to ourselves. We share it because sharing is caring. And we're all sharing on this journey. And everybody, yeah, everybody's in a different place on their journey. But um, like, like Peter said in Second Peter 3.18, let us grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're all trying yeah. to grow. You know, and uh, some people plant seeds, some people water seeds, but God gives the increase. That's what Scripture says. That's beautiful. Amen. Well, can I pray with you before we go? You certainly can. All right. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, I thank you for Trish Talk Radio and those that are listening to this podcast. And, Lord, we've covered some ground. We've talked about some things that you said that you did. And we pray uh, that those who've heard this might do just that in Jeremiah 33 to call to you and that you would answer them and show them great and mighty things, that you'd reveal yourself to us in ways that we can understand, that we might know you better as the God who created everything, as a God who's worthy of our worship, a God who's worthy of thank you for everything that you've done for us. And I just pray that you'd continue to bless Tricia and as she coaches people and encourages them. We need more encouragers. As a matter of fact, Barnabas was the son of encouragement. And I pray that you would bless her and open up doors for her that no man can open and shut doors that no man can shut. And that you would uh, continue to bless her and, uh, and just beyond her, her wildest dreams. You're a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever think or ask according to the power that works in us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And we give you all the glory, all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Well, let's do this again sometime. Sure, absolutely. I will be in touch. All right, sounds good. Blessings to you and your show. Thank you so much, Pastor Chuck. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for being on Trish Talk Radio. You've got it. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Trish Roberts and Trish Talk Radio. To be a guest on Trish Talk Radio or to connect with Trish Roberts, 
go to trishtalkradio.com. Thanks again for tuning in to another inspiring episode of Trish Talk Radio, where dreams come alive.